You're listening to Mama's Roots Are Showing podcast, where we recognize that we get one motherhood. If you'd rather not wing it, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Nicolette, and I love researching all things motherhood related and then sharing what I have discovered to help moms feel empowered, joyful, and intentional. If finding yourself in motherhood sounds better than losing yourself in motherhood, I invite you to join me as we explore the nooks and crannies of motherhood. In today's episode, I'm joined by my friend Angela of Parisian Farm Girl. Angela happens to be one of the most stylish women that I am pleased to know. And in our conversation, we talk about having a personal style and bringing that into all areas of your life, whether it's your closet or your home. Angela wisely points out that having a style and honoring it can really serve you in motherhood as it provides an anchor to who you are. And this is something that can get lost in motherhood. So tune in as Angela encourages all of us to make our homes, make our closets an extension of ourselves and to embrace our personal style. I encourage you to take a moment and grab a cup of tea or grab a glass of wine as we allow Angela to tell us how to be our most stylish selves. Speaking of wine... I want to introduce you to a wonderful company called Dry Farm Wines. Dry Farm Wines is my go-to for finding and drinking beautiful, organic, biodynamic wine. So I learned about a little over a year ago that wine can be labeled organic, and yet all that means is that the grapes were farmed organically. And it can have up to 76 awful ingredients in it that don't have to be shared on a nutrition label. So Dry Farm Wines is solving this problem for the consumer. They only source the best organic biodynamic wine from all around the world. They have a subscription that is right for everyone. You can do it uh, three bottles every once a month, every three months. You can do six bottles. You can do 12 bottles. You can do reds. You can do whites. You can do bubbly. There is a subscription right for everyone. And I promise you that you are going to enjoy every single bottle and you can feel good about it because you're actually gaining the health benefits from drinking these beautiful wines. And they're delicious. I have great news for you. As a Mama's Roots Are Showing listener, you can visit them at dryfarmwimes.com forward slash Mama's Roots. That's M-A-M-A-S-R-O-O-T-S, which I will link in the show notes. And you can get an extra bottle of wine for one penny by using that link. You can subscribe for three bottles, six bottles, 12 bottles, Whatever fits your wine need, you can find it there. So please check them out. I would appreciate it. And know that when you do, you are supporting my little family. So today I'm here with my dear friend, Angela, from Parisian Farm Girl. And you know what, Angela? I was thinking about this the other day. Do you know that we have known each other for seven years now? I was just thinking about that like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, right before we started. Um, yeah, I remember having Ellis on my hip the first time that I met you. It's been seven years. I remember, you know, meeting you as a new mom. 
And I have to tell you this because I don't think I've ever told you this before, but you have mm-hmm. influenced me in so many ways as a mom and as a mm-hmm. woman. You know, I came to your farm when you lived close to me. I got to visit you and your family and see you homeschooling. And that's influenced me in such a big way to homeschool. It was something that I I kind of had um, little murmurings in my heart of that, but actually seeing it and having it tangible was really cool. And then, of course, the way that you have this wonderful style that is all yours and how you just sort of beautify every place that you touch is just absolutely inspiring. So I just wanted to tell you thank you because you have inspired me. And I know I'm not alone in that. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I just had to let you know that because I know you influence so many people, but you've also influenced me. And I thought I have the opportunity to let her know that and I need to tell her. So um, thank you. But tell you're welcome. Thank you. And tell my listeners today who you are and what you do and where people can find you. My online presence name is Parisian Farm Girl. And the irony behind that is like behind sort of what that's become for myself and my family is crazy because I started my blog 17, 16 or so years ago, um, sort of in rebellion to Facebook. It was when I think Facebook had just started and I was just sort of snarky and joking about it all the time. Like, oh, everybody's just posting the burrito they ate for dinner. I want nothing (laughs) to do with that. I wanted nothing to do with that. Um, But I did have a new baby. Uh, Aiden was three months old at the time. And I wanted a place where I could just show my, like sort of privately, but hey, if somebody else finds it, whatever. I I didn't understand the internet, you know, Um, pictures of my baby and Uh, my journey into motherhood, which I was so excited about because uh, we waited 10 years to have children. And I was like just obsessed with this person and so proud to be doing what I was doing. So uh, that's how Parisian Farm Girl got started. And um, one day I posted a picture of my living room coffee table and I don't know what happened, like some traction got going. You know, people in, you know, sort of the design blogging field picked up on it and it sort of developed a presence. Um, So that was fun. And so (laughs) fast forward and it's not really, you know, it's not super popular or anything, but I'm, I'm proud of it. It's just, I think it's a sweet little brand and I think it really represents me and what I stand for. The Parisian is the side of me that um, loves Paris. I know my way around Paris better than I do Chicago which is crazy. Um, You know, that's the side of me that likes fine art and fine things. And yeah, I like expensive things. I like, uh, you know, I like good taste and things that are well-made and handcrafted. And then the farm girl Parisian, you know, the farm girl side of the Parisian is just like the one that can get in there and butcher a pig and get things done and play in the mud and, you know, so, (laughs) so that's, um, you know, it's developed into like a YouTube channel and um, I have a, a magazine called the Old World Design Society, which is more of the interior design aspect of all of that. And it's been a very uh, interesting journey. I'm really blessed that to see um, my creativity, just what I was just sort of tinkering with as a young mom, become something that that takes care of my family. So. And I love that you didn't put it on the back burner, Angela. I think that is such an important message for moms because 
a lot of us are so creative. We have this artistry living inside of us, but we can tend to put it on the back burner while we're raising our young kids. And instead, you use that as sort of what fueled your motherhood in many ways. Yeah, it was, you know, it's it's a different approach now. Like now I'm sort of girded, I'm settled. Um, but then I was feeling my Cheerios. I was I was exploring homesteading and cooking from scratch and taking all that these ideas that I had about motherhood and what it would look like and seeing them flesh out. And I I had I needed a voice. Like I wanted to say something whether I was right or wrong. Like, I don't know if I look back, I would probably cringe, but I wanted to say something and have, you know, first time, first baby, right? Have everybody gush along with you. You think you're that first person that's ever had a baby. And, <laughs> but, but now like with what I do now, I see that that pride is really a good thing that we should really, I think, encourage mothers to celebrate that and fuss and fawn and make a stink about it. Yeah. Why not? I brought you on here to share this wisdom that I think you just embrace fully. And that is this idea of developing our own style, being aware of the beauty around us. Now, you have a very distinct style for yourself. It's very classic. It's timeless. Um, but even if somebody has, you know, more of a mid-century vibe or a very mm -hmm. modern vibe, um, why do you think it is important for women, for mothers, to lean into that and to develop their own sense of style? Well, I, for me, it's an integral part of who I am. So I, I can't speak for everybody, but, but I feel like I could. I mean, it's my voice. It's part of my voice. So I wouldn't be able to communicate fully. I would have to find alternative methods of communication. And I, I think that for, for women and for moms, we all have a style. We, we all have a style, whether it's a style that's seen on Pinterest or whether it's a very muted, subdued, underdeveloped style. Everyone has a style and it is a part of the way they communicate. It's like that silly scene in um, uh, The Devil Wears Prada with the ugly blue sweater where she totally checks her and she's like, you think you're opting out of this culture and you're not. You can't get out of it. So we are communicating about what's important to us, what we find beautiful, um, if we uh, have the bravery to express what we think is beautiful, if we've developed our taste of beauty. Um, like we're all communicating whether we think we are or not. And so for me, that aspect of communication is really important. It's, it has been since I was a kid. And it's a way that I think we do identify not that we want to be completely wrapped up in that, but there right. are things that we're just drawn to and that's okay. I think sometimes we can take it from one end of the spectrum to the other and we are all drawn to different things. It's okay to have yeah. a, you know, a flair. It's okay to, um, to have a unique style. And I think leaning into that is actually really cool. It honors who you are. Sometimes as moms, we can turn away from it a bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to honor that. So how do you develop your style? You have one that is so evolved. How did that happen? It obviously wasn't by accident. No, it's it's so weird. Sometimes I feel silly talking about it because it is it's so much a part of me. You know, and I want to just like really quick about what you said. I think it's really easy for women. We get we 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 gals are so dogmatic. 
we can get so judgmental and so dogmatic about things. We can decide for other people that you wearing that blouse is frivolous or you caring about your home is irrelevant in today's, you know, what your home looks like style-wise is irrelevant in today's culture. Or we make these decisions for other people and it's not fair. It, and so my sort of approach was I I had people in my life at the time who were speaking to minimalism and not minimalism um, in a stylized way, but minimalism in a like, I'm going to be a martyr and make some sort of grand difference or difference in the grand scheme of things, which I just thought was silly. Um, so maybe I projected that in the early days of my blog, like in a, in sort of a response to that. But I th- I just think as women, we can we can tend to be really hard on each other. And when someone does come into our circle who maybe is more expressive or maybe more confident in um, their home or their personal stylings, it's easy to make assumptions or or to think negatively when probably all that person wants to do is just – she's not even thinking about it, probably, most likely. She's probably just – she's just – expressing herself just like she would with her normal voice. Myself, so this is, you know, this is, um, when I was five years old, my mom- Oh, we're going way back. We're going way back. This is way back. This is what I'm saying. Like, you know, I have friends that tease me, oh my gosh, you've been who you are for so long. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm like an old lady. I've been an old lady- I was born with pearls in my ears. Yeah. Seriously. Like um, (laughs) when I was a child, so five or six, what year was it? Six, maybe. um, My mom woke me up to watch Princess Diana's wedding. And like as silly as it may seem, like I was raised on Princess Diana. So I was raised on spectator pumps and matching hats and pennies sewn into the hem of the skirt so they didn't blow in the wind. And I mean, just silly crap that I would read about in in articles. I subscribed to like royalty and majesty magazines. I didn't want people. I wanted like the straight, straight scoop from England, you know. I mean, this is my whole childhood, my entire childhood. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, it's crazy. And so that really helped develop my eye as far as like clothing and what I was attracted to. Um you know, so, you know, in high school when other people were wearing like ripped jeans or whatever, I was wearing suede shorts with alligator flats and a blazer, like nerd alert. Just <laughs> I didn't care, you know. Um, and then and then again, on the on the flip side of that was any of my free time was spent at my grandparents' farm. So, um, you know, in John Deere tractors and helping my grandma put the the jeans on the clothesline and just all of that. So it's really like a high level of contrast. And I really think that shaped both. I saw the beauty in both for sure. So I really think that that was like the serious foundation. I I feel like everything in my life, especially, you know, much older now, like I look and I, I see how influential those little things were, whether it was um, coming down the stairs and seeing my grandma reading her Bible at five in the morning and how she'd always say, you know, with the cast iron skillet, the best pancake is the last one, you know, using bacon grease to fry the pancakes or my mom telling me, if you don't know what to wear, just put on jeans and a great trench coat and your lipstick and earrings, you'll be fine. Just keep the coat on, you know? So over the years, as you were 
it, it seems to me that it sort of touched you in um, in the closet first, right? Like it was your clothing, maybe your makeup. And then did it, when did it sort of take shape in your home? Um, that, that what I would, I would even go back to my grand, my mom and my grandparents with that. So um, my grandpa would go to farm auctions and my mom would accompany him. She still has the first thing she bought at a farm auction, which is a bamboo cane. And then in, I think it was seventh grade, she did a, um, a home ec project of a, a dresser that she refinished. And that's upstairs right now in my girl's bedroom. So there were always antiques around. There was always this um, cultivation of spaces. My uncle's an interior designer. My mom is a stylist. Like when, um, you know, I don't know the demographic of your audience, but for those that are older than I am, like my mom was uh, Martha Stewart before Martha Stewart was anyone. And there was a woman named Mary Emerling. So when everybody was like sort of stenciling silly teddy bears on pillows, my mom was doing like colonial country style legit. <laughs> it was, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, I remember, I remember as a child seeing the trend of country and then seeing what our house looked like and and on a budget. I mean, just serious budget, a few nice quilts, a trunk, but I just, I was always raised around um, creating spaces and I, I did the same thing. So when I would clean my room, I had to clean my bedrooms on Friday, my bedroom on Fridays, I had to dust and vacuum and I would come down and say, mom, do you have any doilies or anything you're not using right now? You know, and she would give me whatever <laughs> knickknacks she could sacrifice and let me put those on my dresser or whatever. So, so, so that was something sort of, that you've inherited in a way from your, sure. from your mom and even from your grandma, you said. Yeah, for sure. The home, the space, you know, what it looked like was, was always important. So. As a mom, you know, seeing that as a child, how important the home was and that it took precedence, there had to be obviously a recognition of that, that the home mm-hmm. played a role in the family. And right. I see this, of course, in your home. It's something very special to you. And it's something that you spend time and effort thinking about and planning for and creating. How has that impacted your family? That's interesting. I I see my eldest two. Um, they're very into their own space. Now they're very different. Um, the you know Aiden's is dark, and there's technology that he's all created himself, and has got his posters. And but it's a very cultivated space. It's not just a bed and a dresser. He's it's definitely his. And then Amelie's space is definitely hers. There's artwork and houseplants and, you know, watercolors that she's done taped to the wall. And so I see them – I do see my kids uh, expressing themselves in their surroundings. And I do see that it's important to them. So we've – if we spend a weekend in a hotel or whatever, when we walk in the door, oh, I'm so glad to be home. You know, I just want my bedroom. I just want my space. You know, they're very happy to be able to celebrate that again. Um, and it's nothing – that's not really something that I verbally taught. I think they just probably saw me doing the same thing as as when I was a kid. On Fridays, you know, not just cleaning but moving things around, sprucing things up, whether it's a new hand towel or – lighting a candle on the counter after the kitchen is clean for the day or like they know that it's important. For me, the home is really 
the hub. It's the center. Yeah, it is. It's your hub. I'm going to say you were probably born with pearly earrings and stilettos if that was ever possible. <laughs> even though you may have a memory at five, I think it probably even was before that. You know, you were born that way. It's just in your DNA. Um, okay. But for the person who mm-hmm. maybe hasn't had that influence, who hasn't um, had those experiences that you've had and had a mom and a grandma with this very um, with this very developed style, how do you go and seek out a style or how do you discover what your style is? Um, I, you know, I hear from women a lot because um, this is a popular conversation. Um, I don't, I don't know what my style is. I don't know, but I always challenge them. I'm like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You know, when you're standing in the checkout lane, which magazine attracts you the most, you know, mm, when you okay. don't like, I like something. that. If you have to start with a negative, this is the place to do it. Start with what you don't like. You know, if you have to Google 10 popular bedroom styles for 2022, you get down to number nine and you're like, that's the one I like. Well, how did they describe it? Google more of that. Like start, just start digging. We Sometimes it's easy to just fall back and say, I don't know what my style is. I, I do beg to differ, but I will say you you know what it isn't. You know, we're negative. That's our that's our human nature to be contrary, you know? So you know what it isn't and use that as a springboard. Uh, don't be afraid to just imitate something. Don't be afraid to just blatantly imitate something. I think, I don't know. I think Chanel maybe said like imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Like people were ripping off her styles in probably yeah. the 20s or 30s. I don't know when it was, but she didn't care. She's like, well, shoot, I must be doing something right. So I'm sure she said it just like that. <laughs> well, obviously, right? <laughs> well, I did that. I mean, I did that with you, with your with your garden. Um, okay. Which is another way that you have influenced me and influenced so many others. So again, it's not just your dress. It's not just your home and having these beautiful spaces. You know, I imitated you. I just looked at your pictures and I was like, um, that trellis is beautiful. I love the way that she did this. And I remember calling you and just asking for help mm-hmm. and yeah, looking at that. your pictures. Yeah. yeah, that was that was last time that we talked was last summer. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with imitation. And sometimes we can get in our head that that's a problem. But I think everybody does it. There's nothing. I think Shakespeare said something to the effect of that, you know, nothing's um, original, right? Everything is right. stolen. Right. We need to reclaim that and have permission again to imitate and try it on for a bit and see if it works or not. Yeah. And that's, that is what you're, as far as like interior design, your design eye, it is a muscle and it's not, mm. if you're brand new, you're probably going to make, it's probably not going to be really developed right out of the gate. And that's why you use other people's skill and you imitate it and you start to get a feel for it. And it might not even make sense right away. So my sister, <laughs> this is funny. Um, this is my year for like the Persian Turkish rug. I've been admiring them in magazines and books as long as I can remember. I finally have a source and I just thought this is the year I'm going to get bold and I'm just going to bring in stuff that maybe doesn't make sense because – that's very French and very British, whatever. 
So I, I invested in this rug for our living room. I wanted something really soft. I wanted my kids to be able to roll around on it. We're just on these unfinished wood floors because we're redoing this house and they're terrible and everybody's getting splinters all the time. I'm like, I'm going to get this rug. Well, then fast forward six months, we were going to have company and I had no budget. You know, the, of course, the kind of sofa I want costs like three to $5,000. That's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, yep. So I, I go to the resale shop every Friday morning at 10 o'clock to see what's new. And she had a plaid uh, sleeper sofa for $95. Plaid. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at it. Yes. And I just, it was just crazy. And I brought it home and it's weird. And it's up against this very geometric, very Middle Eastern rug. And um it darned if it isn't so cute. And my sister's like freaking out all the time. Anytime I show her a picture of my living room, she's like, I don't know why. Why does that stupid, stupid resale couch look so good with that rug? I she goes, I don't understand why, but I <laughs> but I know that it does. And so that's where like that whole like imitating, imitating what you see and go high, like go really high end. Like Imitate the people that are really good at what they do. That's what I do. I mean, I have British and French designers all over my bookshelves. And I'm not scrolling Pinterest to see what another mom did. And I don't mean that derogatorily at all. But I'm saying if if your design is something you want to skill up, go big and learn from people that really have honed their craft for the last 20, 30 years and they know what they're doing. There's a confidence that you have, too, as you've developed your eye. Um Interior design is not my thing at all. And I feel like I'm all over the place and it's something that I really need to develop more. Um, And I make mistakes. and I mean, everybody's going to, but there's a confidence that you've had in putting yourself out there and maybe failing here and there, but also going, yup, that worked. That was good. But I think failing is really important. Failing is... And and so all of that comes in, like that ties really into not taking yourself too seriously. It is just mm. your home. You know, you you've made bad outfit choices before. It's just your house. And and not um, you, other people. Not you. Well, yes, I am, girl. <laughs> um, it uh, you know, it's also too like this really broad scope. We look at, you know, if, if it's something we're not good at, oh my gosh. I'm not good at that. A womp, open up the floodgates, you know. But what about narrowing it down? So, oh, oh my gosh, I'm not good at dancing. Well, could I learn? I was going to say name some cheesy dance move, but I won't. But like just narrowing it down to like what can you learn? Can you learn to rock back and forth to the song so that you can do it on beat? You know, so narrowing it down, I'm not good at interior design. Could I put a little something together on top of this coffee table that looks nice? You know, just really bringing it down. I don't know how to create a wardrobe. Okay, can I go out and find a dress for Friday night? Yes, I can. Instead of being so overwhelmed and allowing Mm -hmm. ourselves to just fail, not playing the victim card and going, okay, I don't have to look at it from this grandiose place. I can just solve this one problem. Yeah, that's great. I'm a big fan of yours and Shay's podcast, um, Homemaker okay. Chic. I think I've listened Thank to every you. single episode. It's fantastic. Oh, that's terrifying. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, I love it. It is so wonderful. And 
I think people are sort of dismissive of this idea of being the homemaker. And you guys Mm -hmm. have really shifted the perspective on that because people think, well, if I'm not the work at home or the stay at home mom, then I don't have to worry about this. And you're Mm -hmm. saying, um, no, homemakers are people like, I know you guys have very young, some very young teenagers that are 14 years old that are curating their own rooms and developing Mm -hmm. their style. And then you have people who are, you know, work from home or um, these big career women, but we all occupy a space. And it's really important for us to fill that space with ourselves and to own it. And why do you, why is it? Why do we just sort of um, dismiss it? Well, I think, you know, the word homemaker, like culturally, the last uh, however many decades just keeps getting more and more, um, I don't want to say frowned upon, but belittled. So mm-hmm. even even in sort of the crowds I run in, you know, because I am on social media and I'm doing things, they, I meet other moms that think they have to do that to make, to validate their choice to stay at home or to validate them. Maybe they don't even have kids. Maybe they're just home or, or just maybe they work full time and maybe they just love doing things in their home. There's always sort of this they're always making apologies. That's something we really wanted to do with the show is like, just don't apologize. Everybody that occupies a space is a homemaker. This is very valid because what happens is you receive people into your home. And when you are a professional at that, it puts them at ease. So let's say we're having a banner weekend, Nicolette, and you and I go to Nordstrom and we're going to buy something Great. Like this is I never I've been to Nordstrom in forever. But that sounds really wonderful. Like yeah, who do we want? Who do we want helping us? The noob that knows nothing about fashion and the way clothing is cut and your body type and my body type and um occasion etiquette? Or do we want like the seasoned pro that knows the ins and the outs and she's confident? She makes us feel comfortable, she puts our insecurities at ease. We all want to be the, in the hands of somebody who really knows what they're doing. And it's the same for when people come into our home. When we're confident in our space and it's curated to whatever level of curation is appropriate for our personality and we know what we're doing and the space means to, something to us and that's obvious, that puts people at ease. The professional puts someone, puts the guest or the recipient or the the person doing the buying or whatever, you know, it, it puts them at ease. I, th- I think that's really important. And whether it's our children, mom's got this. She knows what she's doing. Whether it's our husbands, look at what she's done here. This is where I get to come home. This is where I get to unload, unwind, be myself, whether it's our girlfriends that come over. Oh my goodness, I love going over to Nicolette's because I don't know what it is. She's just got something and it makes me feel good. I want to do that for people. I don't know about you. I mean, I want people to feel that. The home is very important. It's it's a scary, dangerous world out there. Like the home is very important. It is. And as you said, not only for guests that we're maybe um, welcoming into our home, but for our children too. Mm-hmm. I think there's this tendency um, to minimize it and to um, – as you said, with this idea of being the homemaker, it's like this word that's almost become a, you know, a dirty word over the years Mm -hmm. that we're above it or something. And, you know, I understand the spirit of that. I think that women can do many things, but the reality is that we all, most of us (laughs) occupy a home 
And it can be such a an energy field for our family and can inspire our family and our children and ourselves in our daily lives. And there's this idea sometimes, you know, we all see this meme going around of, you know, the mom being the hot mess. And we've all right. been that mom, of course. Mm-hmm. But I love that um, that you really call that out and you say, we don't have to be a hot mess and don't allow yourself to be a victim. Take ownership mm-hmm. of your home. That's not saying that you have to be perfect, but right. you can learn and you can make a difference here. Yeah, I think there is, I, I will, this is, you know, not the most popular view, but I do think there is a, a real sig- uh, glamorization of the hot mess mm-hmm. where it's like, it's okay. You had your first baby, your hair is in a top knot for the next five years, you know, like you're, you got laundry coming out your eyeballs. You don't know if you're coming or going. There's French fries under the car seat. Um, and I got your back, girl. Well, yes, that happens. That absolutely, that is a part of life, but it doesn't have to be, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't have to be all the time. There's going to be pockets of chaos and pockets of imbalance and pockets of stress, but we still have this sort of like, I think glamorizing the hot mess gives us a free pass. Yeah. I agree with you. And we've all been the hot mess. I mean, I have mm-hmm. definitely been oh, the man. hot mess before, <laughs> Yes, you know, and I know it's going to happen bro. again. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But I think that we can take ownership of it. And mm-hmm. I-, I love that you sort of um, provide inspiration to a lot of moms and well, just women in general to do so. I think it's, it is something that needs to be talked about more and more. Our homes are important. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be this Pinterest worthy no. space. It has to feel good to us. developing our style, you know, you have this very, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you have this very developed curated style. It doesn't have to be what everybody else is doing. I think yours is very unique. Certainly there's people that do it, but yours is unique Mm -hmm. and it fits you. You know, it's like we, we say all these things and then you want to also be very gentle and say, and don't compare like the, you know, make a conscious decision not to compare. If if Pinterest is in a healthy environment for you, don't go on Pinterest. If only a few mm-hmm. swipes of scrolling on Instagram is what's healthy for you and then you start to get agitated or you start feeling bad, like it's that's your cue. Be done. Mm-hmm. You can um cultivate and develop your own style and things without those means. They're great. Those those things are really great, but they can sort of foster this spirit of discontent, malcontent, and um, feeling like you'll never arrive, like you'll never achieve. Because of course, everybody's putting their best out there. You know, that's yeah. that's what we want to do. Sometimes it's funny. I try to like post funny things in my Instagram stories, but I want to, I want my feed to be pretty. You know, I don't want to put yeah. the crud, that giant mountain of embarrassing garbage that I just swept out from under that plaid couch the other day. I don't want to put that on my feed. <laughs> That'll go on a 24-hour story where it disappears appropriately. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But to just keep that in mind, I think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So having these spaces and having um, this developed eye, how do you think that has influenced your womanhood and your motherhood? Uh, I, well, that's a good question. I guess initially I would say it's been an anchor to who I was before kids. Oh, I love that. 
I had a lot of children. I mean, for me, six is a lot. <laughs> I know it's not a lot for everyone. I have some friends that have 12. So, mm-hmm. um, but for me, it's been an anchor and just a reminder of of who I was before. And do I stray from that? Do I neglect to find sources of inspiration? Do I neglect um, the action that it takes for me to stay um, relevant in my own mind? You know, on, on my podcast, I've been talking about just like lamenting, um, not having time for painting and creativity. And that's been really hard for me. I just feel like every time I walk past my studio, oh, when am I ever going to get back to that? And now in the last couple of weeks, I've been able to be really intentional and get back to that. So for me, it's been sort of an anchor to who I was um, before. You know, when when we before we had kids, we made a decision because um, we watched we were watching a lot of young parents just get crazy. Ex- appropriately excited and hysterical about having children and like their whole world would change. And I, yes. And then at the same time, we said, we are going to invite this person into our world. We are not going to turn our world completely upside down for this person. And it doesn't, that's, that wasn't as harsh as it sounds, but I do think that that idea served us really well. Like just remembering who we were beforehand because um, parenting and motherhood is extremely all-consuming as it should be. I can't think of a more noble task, but uh, it's a very fast-moving world. It's a very fast-moving occupation to be a mother, and it's very easy to just watch your legs sort of go like out from under you Mm -hmm. and you just forget. So for me, the styling and design or whatever, whether it was just fluffing pillows, I mean, there were times where I didn't have two nickels to rub together and it was just sort of, um, I don't know, which chair can I move today, you know? But that kept me remembering um, what I was capable of and kept me inspired of my own potential because I there were times where I did not have the time. I remember saying to my mom, mom, like... Stop showing me what you're doing. Like, it's killing me. And like, I can't, I don't, I do not have time for this. I, I am treading water barely, you know, I think at one point I had, um, four under five or four under six, four under six, you know, four kids under six years old. And she's like, that, that will lift. You will feel that lift. I know you don't believe me. It will lift and it will lift in stages and you'll have pockets where you can grab time. Yeah. But I love what you said about having that be an anchor to who you are. And the way that it manifested for you was having this the style that you've really felt at a very young age and having that be in your home and be in your closet and honoring that. Um, yeah. I think it's really important for us to be true to ourselves. And um, I wanted to talk about this too, because I know that you guys have mentioned this on your podcast, Homemaker Chic, a couple times. And I I don't remember who made the quote, but it was something to the effect about how mothers, and maybe it was homemakers mm-hmm. in particular, okay. have the ability to tinker and they don't have to be um, the best of the best and experts in everything. They get to try a little bit, a bit of this and try a little bit of that. And, yeah. Oh, oh it just my goodness. fueled I my soul. I can pull that up. It's so good. 
Uh, it's so beautiful. And it was so freeing to hear that. And I thought, yeah, I don't have to be, you know, the next top designer in order to enjoy my home. And I don't have to be, um, you know, a Pinterest or Instagram worthy mom fashionista. Um, I get mm -hmm. to tinker a little bit here and there. I can, um, you know, do a little painting over here. I can do a little gardening over here. And man, oh man, if that doesn't give me life and the freedom that I have, I don't have to be the best at just one thing. That was a really beautiful, beautiful quote. And I, I should have written it down too, because I remember, I think you guys have mentioned it a couple times on your podcast. And I think it really speaks to moms. It's Chesterton. I think he references it. I think it's called the home economy. And he's referencing, um, whereas if you were, um, and there's not anything wrong with this, but let's say you are the, um, I don't know, the mortgage broker. You have to be a professional in your field. You don't have to do all the ins and outs. You, you don't have the luxury of being an amateur. And the homemaker, she can, she can be an amateur. She can put her hand to bread baking. She can put her hand to sewing. She can put her hand to cleaning. She can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like that's really for those who are really wanting to like exercise creativity or, or have a broad be very well-rounded. You know, that's sort of, it's interesting because like the, the culture would say that the homemaker is not, um, she doesn't have a broad scope. She's not well-rounded. She's isolated. She's changing diapers mm. and you know, we always joke about denim jumpers on our show, running around in her outdated <laughs> denim jumper, you know, but that's not true. She she gets to do so many different things. That's something I celebrate on my YouTube channel is like this amateur status where we're so inundated with images of perfection that we can't, we're not even allowed to celebrate. Hey, I tried this. Look how it came out. No apologies. Look yeah. Yes. Yes, I think, and we need, to, again, I think we need to reclaim that because we do have all these images of perfection and we're being fed them all the time. And we need to mm -hmm. once again see that mothers, I think in particular, we do have the opportunity oftentimes to be amateurs in all these different spaces mm -hmm. and try it out. That is beautiful. It Not is, everybody has that opportunity. It's it a is. big deal. I get to be an amateur storyteller. I get to be an yeah. amateur kid's bedroom designer. I get to be an amateur soup maker. I'm going to try three different soups this week. And and I'm going to be an amateur nurse. You know, think about all the things that you can learn and then put your hand to as a mother. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, no, I And, I and trust me, like at the you. dinner party, you end up having a lot more to talk about than the mortgage broker. <laughs> you, okay? Like you're more interesting because you're putting your hand to so many different things all week long. And don't let yeah. anyone tell you otherwise. You know, that's just, like you said at the beginning, there's sort of like this shame, like, uh, I'm a homemaker, you know. Yeah. Apology. And, and we make ourselves small. And yet, mm -hmm. like as you said, we have this broad world that's available to us, way more freedom way more available to us than the mortgage broker, like you said. It's so true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that um, mm -hmm. we had a chance to talk on that because you guys have spoken about that a couple times and you're living that life. You know, you're doing photography, you're writing, you're making videos, you're gardening, um, you're homeschooling. So alongside your children, of course, you're learning all these things as well. And it's a beautiful life and we should all experience those things and we don't have to be the best at it. Right. 
but we can keep developing um, those skills and that eye set, you know, for our, for mm-hmm. our own style. I mean, I'm sure that even though um, you've had a very distinct style since you were five, I'm sure it's <laughs> evolved over the years, of course. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a few things, like just some helpful tips to the mom who is trying to create this essence of home. And regardless of style, what are some universal tips, some universal um, applications that can create a beautiful home for the family and maybe inspire the mom? What are some things that we can do? Well, for starters, mom needs to be pleasant. <laughs> and that's where the that's where it gets a little uncomfortable because um, being a wife is difficult. Being a mother of small children who constantly need something and are constantly asking you questions or challenging your very ideas as if you are insignificant and don't have a place in the grand scheme of things, you know, that is <laughs> exhausting. That is exhausting. It's if I would say to moms right now, if you feel uh, what we call mental fatigue by <laughs> one in the afternoon, like I literally, I will die if I have to answer one more question. That is a real thing. That is decision fatigue. We call it decision fatigue. You know, can I watch Donald Duck? Can I play Minecraft? Can I go over to so-and-so's house? Can I have a snack? Can I have a clementine? You know, (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know anymore. Will the clementine, like, will that ruin dinner five hours from now? I can't decide. I, 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 like, that is so real. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's very important for me and, and I'm not I'm not good at it. I'm just saying we we do have to guard our hearts and find ways to be pleasant to our family and identify the triggers that set us off. So for me, social media does set me off or reading the news. Um, I'll get engrossed in it or I'll start feeling insignificant scrolling XYZ and a kid will ask me something. What? You know, mm-hmm. like, so we have to be mature enough to identify what makes us unpleasant. Like we have to be, we have to take ownership also of the way we treat our family because when it's all said and done, the kids don't give a rat's ass if your living room was styled when they're grown up. They're going to remember mom's countenance and her, the beauty that she projected and her responses and her self-control and her kindness and her forgiveness and her that's what they're going to remember. The other stuff is fabulous. Yes, let's develop it. Let's do it. But but overall, if mom's raging all the time, nobody cares what the house looks like. Yes, so that I love that. Has, that has to be. And this is coming from a mom of six. There's some experience here. That's so true. Yeah, I have a five year old and a teenage, a sixteen year old. So, like, oh my gosh, even sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I love that um, you said that, though. I think you're so right that it's really the aura of the home, and it starts with the mom. And it's a it's a it huge responsibility, but with um, the ownership of that, how you can completely transform everything mm-hmm. just by um, checking in and really realizing the influence that you have. Yeah. Proverbs says a wise woman builds her home and a foolish woman tears it down brick by brick. Mm-hmm. And that's really painful. That is like really, if you put that on your bathroom mirror every morning, that is, 
that is arresting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm sorry. Ask me the question again because I got off on a, <laughs> a bender. Yeah, no, I, I think that was beautiful. You know, I just I just was asking, you know, how how do we make a house a home? And what are some tips and tricks? And of course, mm-hmm. I was thinking more in the stylized way, but I love that you said, well, number numero uno is to, you know, be gentle, be kind, be a gracious mother. So yes, definitely noted. And beyond that, when it comes to being a homemaker, being a mom, what are some other things that are universal that we can all adopt maybe today or at least look to adopt in the next week? Um, I think it's homey. I mean, for me, with the with my kids, it's it's silly homey things. I always want them to have a place to to play. I always want them to have books on hand. There, we have books everywhere. They're in stacks to my – yeah, they're just everywhere. <laughs> there are books everywhere. Always, always yep. art supplies. Always <laughs> an outlet for creativity. Um, making sure there's food. Feeding kids is a pain. It is. It is. It's a wonderful, joyous pain. And so being organized in our menu, being organized in our grocery shopping, um, you know, for those of us who like to be extra healthy, letting go of our martyrdom when we need mm. to, whether that means snacks or yogurt, gogurt sticks or just weird, you know, stuff that makes kids happy. Um I'm happy to teach responsibility and, you know, school of hard knocks to a certain extent, but like it's really hard out there. Like I want their time to be here, here to be as pleasant. I want to be, I want them to learn manners and be groomed and have responsibilities, but I want them to have moments of fabulous throughout the day, whether it's mom made a snack or here's a book we're going to read together as a family or there's a fire going in the fireplace or I came down this morning and mom had all the lit, the lights lit and there was a candle and it was pleasant and bacon was frying. Like all those weird, just homey, 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 like it sounds cliche, but just all those little things that as that you and I conjure up as like really good memories, what gave me those warm fuzzies. I feel like I'm always trying to be in warm fuzzy mode with my kids. And I feel that's really necessary because I'm not always temperate and gracious and forgiving and like I... <laughs> Like I gotta balance it out. Please remember the cozy bedtime stories and not the PMS. Please, you know. <laughs> right? Yes. No, I think it's so true. I love that. Just creating and like you said, this isn't something that is um, you know, a certain style. This is just creating this right. vibe in the home that is welcoming and warm and Mm-hmm. Yeah, this true home vibe, and it can be whatever your whatever your right. style is. It fall under a style category. It's just homey. Yeah, you know, I think it's really important that you have taken this style that is um, speaks to you in such a big way, and you've brought it into your home. You've brought it into your wardrobe. You've brought it outdoors, right? As you um, take over mm-hmm. the acreage that you guys now have, and it's in your garden. It's in your life everywhere. And I love that your children are seeing that, but you're also inspiring them and giving them the freedom to create. Like you said, you know, I want to have books and I want to have artwork everywhere. Like you said, I'm. You said earlier that you know I'm not ever telling them this. I'm just. This is just my choice. You know, these are my choices, mm-hmm. and giving them the freedom to do that. I think 
you know, we live in a society where it's very much, we've forgotten about beauty. We've forgotten about the arts. And so when we can Mm -hmm. provide these elements of that in our home, where they're just surrounded by this, Mm -hmm. what an education we're giving our children. And not that we're telling Mm -hmm. them this is what you have to do, right? We're not being dogmatic about it. We're just saying you can do with this as you, you know, here's a, here's a lot to, to look into. Now you take Mm -hmm. this and do what you will. Here's the paints. I'm not telling you what to paint. You paint whatever the heck you want and take it where you want. And you said that your two, um, your eldest, both of your eldest, that they have completely different styles, but they've seen you create, they've seen you be artistic and not shy away from that. And even though they have two completely different styles, it's really interesting that they both have developed their own very unique styles already. Mm -hmm. That's not by accident. Both of them. No. And both of them, when they go, you know, obviously my son doesn't he's not styling like I am or what, you know, he's like, oh, there's mom doing her junk thing again, you know, but he still knows when he goes away and he comes back. Oh, I get it now. Like you're making a home. I get it. You know, after he's been removed from, from this environment. So it does make a difference. And I think it's really important to surround your children with beautiful things. And I never, I, I didn't do a lot of like, well, I mean, I did kids stuff with my kids, but I always, from the minute they could go into the garden with me, this is a flower. This is beauty. This is a big deal that we get to bring it into the kitchen counter and display it and enjoy it and smell it. Oh, smell it. Every time you walk by, don't forget to smell it. And this is jazz. And this is what it sounds like. You know, this is this is what mom likes to listen to when she's cooking food because it makes her feel, oh, and I just want to chop and do, you know, like this is this is how to use things that inspire you. And this is how to bring them into your home. It's funny that I mentioned jazz because I have a friend who passed away a few years ago and she's been on my mind like crazy. And ironically, she was French and she lived um, in Chicagoland before I had children. And I watched her have her first two children. And I remember the way she parented. She introduced her kids. She took them on walks every day and jazz. I remember her saying, oh, Jan, one of Jan's first words is jazz, jazz, you know, as a kid. And I just thought, oh, that's brilliant. I'm going to do that. I'm going to play Mozart for my kids nonstop. Like, you know, and just like I didn't play kids songs. We didn't listen to kids songs and, you know, there were no annoying. I, so I, I started having children in the like Barney Teletubby era, you know, where oh, just yeah, as an adult, right. you're like, oh my gosh, kill me if that is what motherhood is. Like, I can't do that. Right. You know, so I was very conscious about you're going to listen to classical music or jazz. That's what you're going to be exposed to. You know, and I'm not saying that that automatically breeds a child who does that, but it, you're just still like, this is, we're going to play by my rules. You're in my world. Here's, right. You know, and not being the self-sacrificial lamb that moms can turn into where, right. okay, I that, hate Barney. Yeah. Obviously, there's a time and a place for kids' music and kids' CDs, but I think that moms throw themselves on this altar like too easily, thinking like that's part of the deal. This is what makes a good mom to just forget everything. And I'm in sweatpants and I haven't washed my hair in 12 days and I'm listening to – I'm cracking out on kid music that <laughs> makes me want to cry and like that – 
yes, there are going to be moments of that, but no, that's not what it's about. That's that whole like glamorizing the hot mess thing. I'd be a hot mm-hmm. mess for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and again, it's that um, it's sort of is this um, spiraling effect of, well, now I don't know who I am. And I'm listening to Barney music, even though I hate it. And I haven't listened to jazz or whatever it might be in so long. Mm-hmm. Why can't you share jazz with your children? Why can't you sit down yeah. and set up some watercolors and watercolor alongside them? No, there's just ways for us to um, show our children ourselves. And that's not being that's actually showing them that that we're worth it. That's leading by mm-hmm. example and letting them know as you go into adulthood, what you choose matters because we're creating a cycle here, whether we're um, planning mm-hmm. for it or not, we are. So we're teaching our, our, our daughters, we're teaching our sons, this is what it looks like. And if mm-hmm. you don't teach your daughters and your sons correctly and say, don't be sacrificial, hold on to you. And like you said, have that anchor and sure, you can listen to Barney every once in a while, but if you're not playing something that f- fuels mama's soul, that's right. going to hurt. That's going to hurt after a while. Well, there's so much yeah. sacrifice in being a mom. Like you don't need to add more. <laughs> no. There's, there's there's enough. And I I was going to say like having children that are now teenagers, they're watching very carefully. What does this whole parenting mm. thing look like? What does this whole marriage thing look like? Do I want to be a part of this? So you might be able to get away with it when they're three, four, five, six, but like the minute they start catching on, they they don't want it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. They make their exit. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. I love that you that you shared that. Yeah, listen to your jazz, paint, whatever it might be. You know, bring your child under your wing and show them who you are. That's okay. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. And we, I think we need to embrace more of that. I think that we tend to make room for all the things in our, and I, and I say that because I'm guilty of that. That is my default. Yeah, everything I say I'm guilty of. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. a thousand percent. I'm having this conversation with you and saying these things as much for myself as I am for anybody mm-hmm. listening to this. So I don't have this perfected, but it's these kind of conversations that are really inspiring and kind of realign you and say, yeah, damn right. I am going to put some Bob Seeger on tonight, right? Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's really important. Well, thank you, Angela, so very much for showing us um, and leading by example. I have found so much inspiration from you over the years, and it's something that I continue to see over and over again. And I look to you and I look to these other women in the world, and I just am so thankful to have these other women to look to who have walked this path before me and to pull inspiration from. And one of the things that you just, it's your superpower, is to honor who you are and the beautiful things about yourself, and then to place that in all of the areas that you encompass, you know, in your home, in your closet, in your family, at your at your supper table, out in your garden. It is your superpower. You are incredible. Oh, that's great. I'm glad. <laughs> oh, it's I, I really mean that. You. Um, you continue to inspire me. And I'm so glad that our our paths crossed many moons ago. And before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you, um, I always ask people what they're reading or if they had a book that was really inspiring for them. And it can be about motherhood. It can be about design and sort of finding yourself, or it can just be something that you're reading right now that's sort of shaking you up a little bit. In the last probably 45 days, um, I've read Wintering. Um, It's here on my desk by Catherine May. Uh, It's 
absolutely excellent. Um, it's excellent. It's just, uh, what's the subtext here? I never remember it. The power of rest and retreat in difficult times. Oh, um, give me that book. It. It's so good, Nicolette. And I felt, and not to do, to take away from her as an author. So please, I don't mean it that way at all. It's her words. It's her experience. But I I don't think I've read a book that articulated my what I was experiencing, um, the first few chapters especially, in, in ever. Um, I've wow. dealt with some health stuff the last year that have made me feel very detached. And because of my social media presence, like – like I'm not vomiting all that out there because I'm private, right? But like, mm -hmm. but like dealing with a lot. And this book is so beautiful, and it's very um, Nordic, and that's where I live. I live in a very Nordic culture, and so it just spoke to me. Just from the snow to the sauna to the ice baths to the this concept of winter will happen in our lives, and it's how we prepare for it and how we make mm -hmm. our way through winter with grace. Like we kind of live in this culture that's like, nothing bad will ever happen to me. La, 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 la. You know, it's so good. It's so good. So Wintering by Catherine May. And then um, I just finished The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. And just being raised in a Christian family, Corey Ten Boom was a name like I heard on Christian radio as a kid all the time. Like this was a I'd, I've known this name my whole life, and I've never read this famous book called The Hiding Place. And it just smacked, I got like, I got smacked with a two by four. Phenomenal. Just a phenomenal story. I can't, I, I cannot believe I've made it this long without reading this story. I would say everybody should read this story. Well, then I will add those to my list. Thank you, Angela. Yeah, let me know what you think. I will. I will. Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a pretty, um, I'm a big reader. And so I'm always adding mm -hmm. books to my list and I know that you have good taste. So I'll add those oh, to mine yeah, as They well. were really good. Well, thank oh, you Another so fun much. one um, that I'm in the middle oh, of really, this is fun. Super lighthearted. A hundred things we've lost to the internet. It'll give you a really good laugh. <laughs> I'm sure but Do the hard will. work. Hiding place first. Do the hard work first and then reward yourself with a hundred things we've lost to the internet. So yeah, that mother culture, you need to have like a novel, you need to have something that's difficult right. to read and then something easy, right? Well, thank you so much, Angela. I really appreciate your time and for bestowing us with your wisdom and your insights. You know, you have really dropped a lot of wisdom here in these nuggets for moms. And I thank you for your time. You're wonderful. I hope that this episode inspires you to embrace your style and to bring it into all areas of your life. If anything, I hope that tonight, today, you turn on your favorite music, wear your red lips, put on your heels, because after all, we get to do this once. Take care, everyone. <laughs>